Hello and welcome to the Ponderer Podcast. My name is Aaron and on today's episode, I'll be discussing emotional intelligence. Stay tuned. Psychology Today defines emotional intelligence as the ability to identify and manage one's own emotions, as well as the emotions of others. And in general, is said to include a few skills like emotional awareness or the ability to identify the names of one's own emotions and the ability to harness those emotions and apply them to tasks like thinking and problem solving, as well as the ability to manage other emotions, which includes both regulating one's own emotions when necessary and helping others to do the same. The reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because in the past, I have struggled with emotional intelligence, or it was a bit of a new subject for me in which I had to kind of discover and learn about. You know, I have often described my relationship with my own emotions with uh, one of two analogies. The first being, um, my emotions are kind of like an old heater in the basement. When the weather gets cold, it rumbles, the water heats up, making the pipes ache and groan, and it alerts me that it's there. But I think to myself, ah, man, it's such a hassle to go down into the dark, dank, and moist basement. Why would I want to do that when I can stay up here in the upstairs and continue to do my thing, move on as if nothing was there? But as I do and I wait, the groaning and the rumbling becomes louder and louder, and the... um, noise begins to become so loud that I cannot ignore it any longer. And so I have to go down and see what the problem is. I never really forget that they were there or the emotions um, are down in the basement. I just don't feel like getting to them at that certain point in time. And so I wait. In the past, you know, I felt like I could never fully express my emotions. I always felt deeply about my emotions or I felt my emotions deeply and I had them. I recognized that I had them, but it was just that I couldn't fully express them. I didn't have the words, the vocab, the self-expression to really get them out in a way that I felt were was accurate. I have another analogy for this kind of process when I was young at least which is, you know, I felt like my heart was this, um, like a like a toddler scribbling with crayon on a piece of paper. And those were my emotions. And the brain, my brain had to figure it out. They would send it up to the brain and the brain would look at this random scribbling and go, oh, geez, you know, I have to solve this. And it was kind of like untying a knot or making it, those scribbles into straight lines, making sense of them and putting them in order. It was always a lot of work and not particularly fun. You know, at some points I remember having emotions that were really strong 
um, so strong that, you know, I could even feel it in my chest. I could feel it in my, my body, just intense emotions about my life and what happens in it, um, or the people in it. Um, I was often perplexed by what to do with my emotions. Usually I just think about them for a while and then let them pass. Or I distract myself from them by watching TV or finding something else to do. And sort of on a different note, um, I could never really tell what others felt about certain things. I didn't have a super great emotional intelligence when it came to other people. I did, however, have good intelligence in, you know, other people for one specific emotion, though. I could always tell. I could always tell when something was off, when something was bothering someone, or they were sad about something, or maybe they're just kind of going through a, a tough week. I could always tell when it was at that point. But if they were, I don't know, perhaps something else, or, you know, uh, even if it was a positive emotion, I couldn't really tell. I could always tell the negative emotion. And to me, I was, I guess I was just more sensitive to that. And maybe, yeah, just a bit more uh, aware of that kind of emotions in other people. Yeah, but I guess for like, like excitement, I could never really tell if people would be excited for a certain thing or the other, or, um, like, I mean, yeah, if they're jumping up and down and clapping, I could tell, right, they'd, they'd be excited, but I guess predicting emotions, I wasn't truly good at or even aware of, like, I think other people had such a good awareness of that around me, because they would, you know, like, predict things that I was so, like, unaware of, and I was, like, you know, just baffled by how they could predict and be accurate with other people's emotions or like even yeah reading me and my own emotions even though I wasn't properly reading myself so that was that was a thing and I think there's been a bit of a lack in like emotional education and so and so like this is emotional intelligence but how do you gain intelligence it's through you know education or practice and awareness so, you know, I think growing up, though, like there wasn't a whole lot of emotional intelligence being taught. There was, you know, plenty of education for schooling and science and math and history and all that. But, you know, emotional intelligence was something that's, I think, you know, incredibly vital. And it seems like some people are either born with it or they're not, which I don't think is maybe true, but I think it, it has something to do with personality, I'd say. But also, uh, it can be learned, definitely. I think that's what my journey has been. And the teachers of, you know, emotional intelligence, I think come in many forms, though. Like, you know, we don't sit down in a classroom for EI work, but it is something that you learn, I guess, through experience and other people and mistakes, even through some self-reflection, definitely. And so I think through seeking it out more or just living life, you'll eventually get better at it. But I think being aware and cognizant of it is kind of like the first step. It's just like, oh yeah, I need to like 
know about this stuff. Um, it's incredibly useful. Uh, I think it's just necessary for life, right? I, I think if you don't have these sort of uh, skills and intelligence about it, you know, life will be pretty difficult. I think that's fair to say. And so there's this next portion that I want to talk about, which is all the bad ways of dealing with emotions. You know, many people, um, myself included, avoid um, negative emotions with other things. Some people um, choose to, you know, bury their emotions or put it, bottle it and put it very far down, uh, keeping it but just saving it for later to, you know, expel later on. Other people, um, like stew in it. They are like a dark cloud comes over them and they, they carry their emotions on their sleeve and it's all around them and they throw it everywhere. And it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a mess, right? Or, you know, we have people with um, who deal with their emotions in somewhat unhealthy life choices or lifestyle. You know, um, covering up pain with, you know, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol or distracting ourselves with relationships, chasing after money or status, distracting ourselves with TV shows or online shopping or becoming obsessive and wanting control over all points of our life. So we become high strung and wanting a lot of control or we throw ourselves into um, bettering ourselves, kind of. So we become obsessively working out or dieting. And these vices slash obsessions mask our true negative feelings and experiences. They really just put a band-aid over the feelings or they get our mind off of it. We escape from it or we try to fix them in some cases. Or, you know, how I mentioned um, bottlers and brooders um, or people who stew on their emotions. Yeah, there's also reactions for that too, is that, you know, people may not have reactions in the moment for those who, you know, stuff it all in, but eventually it comes out. And it's usually a surprise. It's usually a breakdown or a an explosion of, yeah, that person's emotions and it just gets too much. Or for someone like who likes to or tends to stew on their um, emotions, it really just makes the problem bigger. You know, thinking about it repetitively, going back over and combing through the details and really feeling the emotions once, twice, three times, four times the amount that they were original. So it becomes such a big deal. And it amplifies what was there, or maybe what was small becomes big once again. And so, you know, having emotional intelligence would not, you know, fix this in a heartbeat, but it would give people a starting point to break down what it is they're feeling or identify it, talk with someone, and perhaps get the problem solved quicker than going to vices and obsessions or unhealthy habits. From my research, I have 
found that there are a couple tips to getting better at EI. First is to get better at paying attention to our own emotions. And that sounds pretty simple or like obvious, but a lot of times I don't think we do practice that in reality. Um, when emotion does come up, I think it's a lot of our first instincts to deflect or to cover up or have a defense mechanism for, you know, our brains have thought up of brilliant ways to survive, but that ultimately don't serve us in the long run. So, you know, thinking about our emotions and, and trying to realize them in the moment and also taking a second to stop and notice. Maybe someone says something, take a pause. Maybe um, something bad happens and you go to the restroom, take a pause. You know, uh, let's you know, pay attention and look at what we're, we're feeling. And also, if you feel like you, you know, have, you know, emotions, but you just don't know how to express them, I'd, I'd suggest even looking up emotions. I think we often call emotions what they are not. And so we have like three words, happy, sad, angry. Um, and, you know, we have a very limited vocabulary for feelings. And so there are many more, you know, that are out there. I think there's like this, I'm thinking of a picture where it's a wheel of like emotions and they have many categories and like deepening and specific ones. And so if you look up just emotions and ones uh, you find, you know, resonate with you, then, you know, that's, that's a better way of kind of, you know, getting more specific and down to the exact feeling that you have. Second is to take notice of others' emotions and the possible links that they may have to, you know, the world. So if you're, if you're someone who doesn't think about, you know, emotions and, and stuff and you're kind of set in the concrete world, like, oh, you know, this person went there, did this, and, you know, who cares about the emotions? Well, just think about how those things might affect someone's emotions and your own as well. You know, try to solve the mystery in a sense, you know, not all the time, but not all the time is it going to, you know, come out with a um, solution or a feeling, but, you know, thinking about what that could have caused another person. So we're practicing that um, skill or that 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 intelligence on you know, knowing other people's emotions. And so when someone says that they are feeling, you know, a certain emotion, maybe you can ask why that is or or just think about it maybe first. And then if there's really a emotion that you can't really grasp or why why it's appearing, then maybe you can ask at that point. You know, and factor into the equation like what made them feel that way or what position were they in to, you know, have that um, be a response and, you know, lack judgment, you know, no um, condemnation or anything like that, but just merely, you know, being curious and observing, you know, and sort of lastly, but very importantly, um, connected to all of them, I don't think it's, I didn't say these in order, but... Um, yeah, there's the last one being like, there's no wrong emotions, only wrong responses. And, you know, we can't, we shouldn't repress what we feel, um, but we should really give ourselves permission to feel emotions. 
So I'll say that again, but because um, I think it's important. Um, you know, before we repress, you know, our emotions, we should really give ourselves the space for, we should give ourselves the permission to feel emotions. And there's no wrong emotions, only wrong responses. And I think this is really true. Like, we can't really tell what we're going to feel, or we can't, um, we can't, we can't truly um, control what we feel is a better way of saying it. You know, if something happens, you know, we feel these emotions and it is often not our choice to feel emotions. I, I know some people and they would rather be emotionless, right? Because it kind of, to them, complicates things. But we're all born with emotions and we have them. And, you know, we shouldn't, you know, bash ourselves for having them. Um, it's okay to have emotions and, you know, they're not wrong, you know. No one can say, like, oh, you shouldn't be feeling that. Although people have said that in the past um, to many people, you know, and we have this idea that, oh, I shouldn't feel negative emotions or I shouldn't feel um, ungrateful or I shouldn't feel um, unhappy when I get a good thing or I shouldn't feel like an imposter or whatever. But those are real feelings. Those are real things, you know, and, I'll, and it doesn't, like we like I just said earlier, it doesn't it doesn't serve us. It it's not useful to throw those emotions in the trash bin or to hide them away um, or to cover them up. It's really more useful to uh, get them out, talk about them, and see what's what's going on with them. And yeah, the the way we you know step into the wrong is when with our responses. It's you know if we're angry hitting someone is usually not the answer. I think we, we can agree on that. And, you know, using our words, and if we're sad, you know, um, there's many ways to deal with that. Um, and, you know, our response is the thing that we can control, and so we should really be focusing on that as well as the emotions. And I find it that when we connect with our own emotions and we begin to tell what other people are feeling, we begin to be more able to empathize with others. I think it is important not to get stuck in our own emotions. Um, I think that's why emotional intelligence is two-way. It's knowing our own and knowing others. And knowing our own, I think, can be such a huge task for some that we get stuck in the mindset of just decoding our own emotions and we become kind of selfish and self-absorbed with only what we feel and what we are experiencing and not what others are experiencing. So that's not what I hope this you know, comes down to, but I hope that the development of emotions brings forth both emotional intelligence in ourselves and in others or able to see emotions in others as well. And I hope that, you know, when we develop our own emotions, our strong emotions being brought back up or being processed can be, you know, a way to relate with others um, who are also, you know, experiencing deep emotions, or we can learn to ask them about theirs and be, you know, caring and 
mindful of them as well because you know we, they too have emotions and so at the very least be you know respectful of them as well i think i've seen many people become self-absorbed with their own experience though you know powerful and important it you know our own experience is not the only thing that matters or that is important and there is times where we should um, think about others obviously and uh and care for them as well because they too um go through you know emotions and 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 many other things and once we are comfortable with feeling our own emotions we can then learn how to act when they come up so this is the response portion um you know i think it's pretty common that when we look at society that it says to you know do what you feel you know everything's kind of you know relative to the person and you know it's it seems like the message is being you know controlled by our emotions you know doing what feels right and i think this is actually a really destructive and dangerous motto um, because i think it can lead us down indulging ourselves and coming covering up the problems rather than leading to you know healing and truth and recovery uh, i think it actually pushes us in a direction of you know covering up and not dealing with the true problem oftentimes you know dealing with our emotions doesn't feel good <laughs> or it doesn't feel nice at the beginning especially um and you know doing work you know real work and solving the problems and getting to the root of things is work you know it is uh effortful at the very least and you know it, it doesn't really help us to uh, ignore as we said but you know a common motto you know in culture is to just do what you feel is right and i don't think i think you know any saying any you know couple word phrasing and saying and motto it's not really good to do justice to the complexities of the world but in this case yeah i think it does fall short still even knowing that um, because yeah it doesn't push people towards a you know solution it really just pushes people towards a you know cover-up like i've just been saying and i guess you could take that saying in, in different in different contexts and different meanings but yeah, amongst this discussion, I don't, I don't think it's that helpful. In Emotional Agility by Susan David, uh, she describes emotional agility, which is kind of like her solution for, you know, this um, emotional intelligence and discussion. Uh, she she brings up that you know, emotional agility uh, is being flexible with your thoughts and feelings so that you can respond optimally to everyday situations. Not about controlling your thoughts or forcing yourself into thinking more positively. It's about loosening up, calming down, and living with more intention, choosing how you'll respond to your emotions, emotional warning systems. So that's kind of her definition of emotional agility. Um, naming that's the name of her book as well as the kind of concept she goes over in it and i think that was a pretty good um, book and also definition of um what you know maybe the next step of emotional intelligence is which is yeah emotional agility or 
you know, learning how to act with our emotions. A couple of like bullet points or just, you know, highlights that I took from EA was, um, yeah, first off being that, you know, we can detach from our expectations of others in our lives by using humor oftentimes, uh, talking in the third person and calling it out. So we can, so these are some, you know, I guess practical tips to, you know, taking a step back. And so when we take a breather from um, an experience or from a heavy emotion, we can often use um, third person uh, speech to kind of remove ourselves and get a different perspective. So almost repeating what just happened to us or um, a situation as if we are kind of third person omnipotent and seeing what's going on to, you know, really kind of uh, gain a bit of perspective, rethink it in a different light instead of being, you know, attached to our emotions so deeply. And in other ways, you know, like I said, humor, which, you know, I guess is kind of a practical way, you know, to lighten what is a negative emotion and to uh, rethink it um, in a different light. Again, I think a lot of this is just getting uh, a reframe. And lastly, you know, calling it out, which is, you know, calling out when your expectations or your mind, you know, gives you gives you the setup for failure, which is, you know, to, um, yeah, be kind of self-consumed and, and not really have a mind for others and um, just calling out emotions when they when they arise. Yeah, and when we do this, we kind of, I think the byproduct is that we can, you know, accept reality um, as it is instead of getting caught in our own ideas or irrational delusions of what should be happening. Um, yeah, we can get uh, free from that and, you know, realize that, you know, other people are uh, incomplete humans as well or unwhole and they're, you know, just like us and make mistakes and you know, we begin to see things differently when we step back and kind of realize, yeah, and detach from our expectations, our um, perceptions of what should be happening and, and kind of, yeah, take reality as it is rather than um, thinking that everything should be, you know, going our way. Um, the next sort of bullet point that, you know, I like to highlight was, you know, making decisions on what we value. So, you know, instead of immediate reaction, so like emotion, reaction, um, Susan David suggests, you know, taking a, a moment and then making a decision based on what you value. Um, so, um, yeah, knowing what you value is important in this case and then making decisions with intention um, rather than just going with the flow or, yeah, being a part of just a reactionary cycle, we can, you know, make decisions that we value, or this isn't based on what we value and, and head in a certain direction purposely, and, you know, cut through the waters and the waves um, that may, you know, come with us and get pulled, you know, we don't have to get pulled into the mainstream current or whatever, we can, you know, be, you know, focused and intent on what we, what we do in our lives. And so oh, that was a good point. And then lastly, um, there was, you know, a point on moving on from 
um, you know, our emotions. And, you know, I like this one sort of phrase um, in that chapter, which was, you know, nature favors evolution, not revolution. Nature favors evolution, not revolution. And basically the saying is, as I interpret it, is it's much better that we adapt to our world rather than try to get our world to adapt to us. Um, I think that's like really, really wise. Um, I think she was quoting someone, I forget who, but yeah, man, like we um, can often think that everything should, you know, revolve around us or that, you know, things should be, I know what's best and things should be, you know, this other way. And, you know, most times that's like, I don't know, I think a bad way of thinking about it because we can't change like the universe. Like things are, you know, millions of people, trillion or billion, billions of people live on the planet. And yeah, there is so much that we don't have control over, but what we do have control over is kind of like we've been talking about our, our response and we can choose to adapt rather than, or evolve rather than, you know, try to break the system. And that's really more of a concept to follow, um, a direction rather than, rather than like, you know, practical tips. I thought that was a good concept to flow with. So that was the last sort of tip that, um, Susan David writes and that, which I thought was notable and probably helpful for many, but I wanted to come back around to this idea of emotional intelligence and also emotional education. I think that it is really still a balancing act of, you know, knowing our own emotions, processing them, slowing down, doing all the things that I mentioned, um, but also realizing and being thoughtful and, and compassionate around other people's emotions as well. There, I think it's a quite a balance. You can obviously go overboard with either of them, being too kind of self-absorbed with our own emotions, experience, and not really think about others. Um, but also we could be completely um, selfless uh, in a bad way and only think about those around us and what uh, is happening to them and how they feel and forgetting about ourselves, which is you know, neglectful um, in either case. So I think it is a balance. I think it's hard sometimes. I don't think anyone can be really perfect at it. But having, you know, the emotional, I guess, tools to deal with the scenarios um, and just experience of life to yeah, navigate that waters of um, these emotions. And so we, I think the, the kind of direction, I guess, the image, the goal um, is to, yeah, be able to uh, slow down and not be so overtaken by emotions or be um, swayed too easily to go on either side of the um, teeter-totter or seesaw, one side or the other, um, about caring about others too much or caring about ourselves too much or being overwhelmed. So I think that those, the tools and the idea of being emotionally intelligent, working on that, are all there to, yeah, uh, strengthen that that skill and make it so that we don't have to um, or we are not prone to be so you know wrapped up in emotions and I, I think I've met a lot of people actually whom 
are, yeah, actually will we'll say that they are quite consumed with their emotions a lot of times. Um, and also I've met, I guess, plenty of people whom are repressive of their emotions. And, you know, I think I, I, I personally lean a slightly bit more towards um, being repressed in emotion rather than being um, overwhelmed by when they when yeah when they arise I don't think it's all that bad but it's somewhat repressive by nature or at least for me and you know I think that you know from the people whom I've talked to like it's both a struggle either way like you don't have like not one's not worse than the other it's really just a struggle either way with the emotions of being you know kind of overcome by them because of how strong they are or by yeah pushing them down and kind of repressing them until and that kind of you know forces people to do um you know different things like i said the vices or obsessions um those those tend to be the um the outs for that that type of person but ultimately once we you know get past these you know habits or how we're kind of wired to survive right to um you know, deal with these emotions and we learn how to deal with them better, I think we begin to, you know, act better in not only to ourselves, but to one another, right? We, you know, can live in a way that is healthier. Emotions are, you know, a part of our life and everyone has them and, you know, we all deal with them. Um, and so we, once we learn how to deal with this part of our lives better, you know, the flow begins to, I think, be uh, more fluid, right? Instead of having kind of clumps or baggage, I kind of imagine it as like garbage or like, eh, not to say emotions are garbage, but to say that there is like baggage or there is a clog in like our system, just as we live and breathe uh, a clogged artery um, can cause problems. A, you know, clogging of any sort of, you know, motion is generally not good in the body. So the same sort of deal I imagine with our emotional health and how that, you know, affects us. Um, because I don't really think that a lot of culture recommends or is acknowledging, yeah, our emotional uh, side. I think it gets played on like, you know, culture is aware that we have emotions and, you know, you know, puts it into writing and TV shows and whatnot, whatnot. But I think it's always more to manipulate emotions rather than, you know, kind of be in a healthy mindset about them. So kind of going against that or kind of speaking on emotions more clearly, I think that is a better way of it. And so that we can see that emotions uh, have a different direction they don't have to be um, nearly as I guess scary but also burdensome as we think and that there's ways of yeah dealing with them in a healthy way and I am definitely not done researching this topic or reading about it or yeah practicing it um, but this is kind of all in which uh, I had to say for today and yeah, I hope you really got something out of this, um, or you know someone that might benefit from this. Uh, if that is the case, feel free to share this with them, or uh, if not, 
you can send a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, or write a comment, send me an email with a question, comment, or concern at thepondererpodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, I think that's been it for the show. I'm Aaron. Thank you for listening.